Welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA, featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and I'm very happy that you could join us today. Before we get to today's guest, I'd like to thank our 2023 President's Council sponsors. These are companies that have given an extraordinary level of support to the California MBA, and I'm very grateful for that support, especially in a year like uh, we're seeing in 2023. So I'd like to thank AmeriHome, ArchMI, Consolidated Analytics, Funding Shield, Rocket Mortgage, and Western Alliance Bank. Thank you all so much for your support uh, this year. And with that, I'd like to turn to today's guest. I am very happy to welcome Michael Berman, who is founder and CEO of N Contracts. Michael, welcome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, your entire organization, California Mortgage Bankers, for having us, or having me, rather, um, decide to chat with you. Great, great. So I always kind of like to start off the same. It's always an interesting path as to how folks got into this wild industry. So uh, you want to share with us a little bit about your background and how you got in the mortgage business? Sure. Well, I'm a recovering lawyer turned entrepreneur. So I practiced law for nine years. And during my practice, uh, we did things as inefficiently as possible. Um, And didn't have a lot of software, used a lot of manual tools, and so really experienced a lot of pain firsthand from the way things were being done uh, with for my clients and thought that there were better ways to automate that and solve those problems through technology. And because we are in a really highly regulated industry, uh, there are lots of paperwork or busy work or things that happen unintentionally that there are ways we could do far better by applying technology to those problems. That's a, uh, um, and then I guess the, uh, the the start of the of uh, of the company, of course. I love it when you say I'm a recovering attorney. I'm a republic. I'm a recovering uh, political fundraising consultant. So I mean, that's part of my crazy background. It's like I had to do something to redeem my soul before I died. <laughs> I'm not sure working in the mortgage business is doing it, but you know, we're giving it a shot. Um, helping people, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Achieving the American dream. Uh, As I have shared with you, um, I just love stories about entrepreneurs. I just, just, everybody's got such a fascinating, um, you know, path. And uh, I was very fortunate to be asked to speak at the End Contracts User Conference this fall, which was fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Um, but what advice would you, but I got to hear kind of your corporate story, um, and I'd be interested to have you share with our listeners, what advice would you give to a new uh, entrepreneur or startup? Right. I think um, reading, I mean, what I did is I read a lot with regards to how to create a business plan and talk to other entrepreneurs who have done it before. But the key piece of advice that they leave out is who are your first clients going to be? Where is the first level of revenue coming from? And how confident am I that when I open my doors, I'm going to be able to capture that market share and really get off the ground to give myself more time to build the business? Because there's an inverse proportion with the amount of capital you have to raise 
and the amount of time you're going to be able to stay in business if you don't wind up with clients and producing revenue. And I didn't want to go out and raise a billion dollars or some absurd amount of money and then have be owned by a venture firm and basically have a boss who's telling me exactly what to do every minute of the day because it's their money. Um, right. So instead, I used my own capital and then friends and family money I raised uh, for in contracts. And that's how we got started all the way back in 2009. Um, started building the software in January and had uh, the first three clients sign in June after the software launched in June. Uh, but all that was very deliberate. Uh, but I definitely think that helps because I've, re I've heard of so many people who've started software companies and the launch was really rough because right. they never got that first client to start paying them. Yeah, that's great advice. Kind of have, you know, a place to a, a, a place to land when you are getting started and, and a little bit of footing to get uh, where you're going. I'm sure that also gave you a lot of good feedback on a new product too, right? You know, you had some clients there that were already kind of willing to give you that feedback. That's right. And that feedback, of course, just makes the product even better. No matter how much Q&A testing you do, there's always room and it doesn't in the SaaS model. Um, it never ends because we can do deployments every week and continually make the software better. It does not mean that we are uh, just going to build something and then forget it. Th those days are long gone. And so we want to have that muscle. And as you get bigger and bigger and have more products, uh, it becomes even more important to be listening to your customers and having good mechanisms for that feedback to then be incorporated back to the solution itself. Right, right. So um, you're in what year 14 now of end contracts. Um, and I know that you have many longtime employees, including, I believe I heard correctly, one employee that's been with you since day one. That's right. That's, that's right. incredible. What can you share with us about your philosophy on corporate culture? Because you must be doing something right. Well, I'm really proud of the fact that we've won best places to work in Middle Tennessee um, the last two years in a row. Um, and we do we want a collaborative culture. And a lot of this comes from, quite frankly, other places I worked when I was practicing law that used a far more traditional hierarchy and didn't really share a lot of information. And so we want all of our team members uh, to feel not just included, but understand what our purpose is, why they work here, what do we do here, and why is that beneficial to mortgage companies, banks, credit unions that we work with. And by kind of constantly reinforcing that message, it gives everybody a sense of community to uh, the mission of end contracts, which is to help the financial services organizations really deal with risk compliance and vendor management in an automated efficient way so that they can fulfill their mission of getting loans out to people so they can buy homes and they can do the things that they want to do and all of that kind of wraps together so people really have a it's not just a job to them where they come in they get some benefits and they get paid but they really understand how they're contributing to the overall team goals and growth and of course growing fast uh, can be a lot of fun and we get yeah. to celebrate with the team and i think all that just builds on our culture so that we can have that collaborative working environment where people can really thrive and do their best work 
Absolutely. Kind of sharing with them what kind of the corporate vision is and, and letting them all be a part of that rather than just uh, kind of in their little silos. I think that's uh, clearly been a very successful model. So congratulations to you on that. Um, you know, I know N-Contract serves a wide range of clients. Um, of course, I'm interested in the non-depository and, and uh, mortgage banking side of the, of the business, but in this market in particular, I know uh, fair lending, uh, compliance, and risk management are huge issues. So I, I'd be interested to hear what your clients are sharing with you as far as their biggest concerns in this area. Well, I mean, the past, I guess, nine months have been a really uh, tough time in the mortgage industry because of the environment with rising interest rates and everything else that's going on from an economic cycle standpoint. But even with that, the regulators haven't stopped regulating and they are uh, here and they are not only interested in fair lending, we're seeing a lot more enforcement actions under the Biden administration that we saw in the prior administration. And so how do you do that in a really economically efficient way where you may not have the resources you'd like to have? And a lot of times people will say, well, I'll just try and do it in Excel. Well. That's great, but when you're understaffed, under-resourced, and then also trying to do all this math on your own, which is really difficult to do when it's hard to access all the data. And so software by its very nature is designed to help us function more efficiently, not less efficiently. And if you're going to have reduced staff, you actually need more technology because the work still has to get done because these are regulations and not an option that we uh, can just defer until the markets turn around. And so whether we're talking about PUMDA, fair lending, or other kind of these core areas of compliance and risk management, figuring out good tools to leverage so that you can work as efficiently as possible will help you thrive through this recessionary environment or high interest rate environment, however you want to phrase it. Um, people argue about what type of growth cycle or recessionary cycle we're in really doesn't matter. You want to be as efficient with your dollars as you can be, and technology can help you achieve those efficiencies by being able to do more work with less people. And that that's right. And regulators are watching and reviewing kind of what lenders are implementing as far as the technology solutions. That's exactly right. And if you don't implement the right solution and you get these things wrong, the cost can be astronomical, and that can really put uh, the mortgage company in a bind, especially in this type of economic environment, because who wants to deal with those types of fines? And even if it doesn't get to that, just the mere process of going through it and working it out as a recovering lawyer, lawyers make a lot of money from trying to defend that. And just the process itself right. um, be very, very expensive and distracting when you want to be focusing on how am I going to grow my organization or make it more efficient and profitable, not dealing with the regulatory action. Uh, what's uh, what's on the horizon for end contracts in 2023? Well, we are really excited. We've got 14 solutions. We're looking at both organic growth in building our own solutions as well as inorganic where we're looking to acquire additional technology um, so that we can integrate that into our solution set to provide even more risk compliance and vendor management solutions to our clients very efficiently so that they have the ability to really focus on the parts of their growing mortgage companies uh, and not have to focus on all these back office tasks. Right. 
Right. Well, uh, it sounds like you've got a, a big year in store for uh, for end contracts and congratulations on the success of the last 14 years and and cheers to the next 14 for you. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you having us today and uh, look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you very much for being uh, a part of the Connect podcast, Michael. Appreciate that. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. To access any of our past episodes of the Connect podcast, you can visit our YouTube channel, or we're also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. That's it for this week's episode, and we'll see you next time on Connect.